0: You did great, Matt. (laughs) Hey, good morning, everybody. Mark, I'm really, really loud. I'm sorry. Uh, That's better. Thank you so much. Uh, As Matt was saying earlier, uh, we're taking a break from the Gospel of John for a little while here. And uh, last week, we started a two-part series on unity. Today, we'll just reiterate, 4 o'clock at Sharon Sheffield Park, we're getting together with a lot of other churches from Pastors United, and we are going to be worshiping together as a singular body of Christ, in all of our diversity, coming together to, uh, to celebrate the one God who saved us. So.
1: Yeah, and this is not just racial and ethnic diversity, but this is diversity among different church denominations as well. And our goal in this is to reclaim our vital witness. as as Christians, as a united family of God. And Pastors United, for anyone who might not know about it, this is a group we've been a part of for a little over three years. Yes. It's Pastors United of Bay County. And once a month, uh, leadership from Eastgate, Dad, myself, Blake, will go to these meetings and we meet with other pastors of Bay County and we learn about what's going on in their communities and their um, places that they're living. Because this is not, you know, we kind of live in a bubble over here at the beach. At least I do. And so to kind of learn about these different places and spaces is, has been really great. And I do think, too, you know, at the beginning it was a, it was like a jarring, thing where like, oh, people are praying differently than me. Oh, they used a word I might not have used, you know, but as time has gone on and as we've gotten to know everybody, those things kind of fade away and melt away. You know, you see that Christ really is big enough to be the center of it. all
0: That's right. That's right. And we're stoked to be able to be a part of that. Now, this morning, uh, Janelle and I are going to have a conversation about this idea of unity within the body of Christ. And I want to clarify, we are talking about unity within the body of Christ, centered around Jesus, centered on what this gospel is all about. Last week, we looked at Psalm 133, where the unity of God's family was described as being part of what was good in the creation that God Made. And then we went on and and read in Acts chapter 2, where at the inauguration of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the very first thing that God did was to unify us all together, breaking through language barriers and all those things that could divide us and and brought us uh, together as one. So we think about this. Luther Stanford at City Church last week said, uh, Unity is a blessing of God poured out on his people something that we definitely want to keep in mind in this
1: yeah i think so because i f- I feel like when I think about it, uh, a lot of times unity can feel like a really big undertaking or this impossible job that we're never going to accomplish. It can feel overwhelming. And I like that when we look at what the Bible has to say about unity, it's described as a blessing. And I I like that. And I think back to the Garden of Eden and the paradise that was found there and all things working together in harmony. And even just if we go out to the beach, that's my favorite place. And the, the harmony of all the things working together there, the sand and the water and the sky. And the birds and the fish, all creating this paradise that this beautiful
0: ecosystem. Yeah, that people travel
1: thousands of miles to go see this paradise, you know, because it's it's amazing. Um I'm just thinking about my husband who hates the beach. He's probably like, uh, can we have another example? But that's the one we're using. (laughs) 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 And uh but I was thinking about that with the Bible, and and what we learn from the Bible is God's invitation to take part in that paradise. That we have the opportunity to not only live here in this paradise, but we have the opportunity to take part in creation that paradise in the way that we treat one another and our fellow human being.
0: Right on. You know, and that is, I mean, you know, that's awesomeness <laughs> as we're describing it that way. But, but, you know, in a theory, theoretic sense, it's beautiful. But, But we all know that the church is far from being what you're describing there. I mean, paradise is not the descriptor that I would use to describe the condition of the church right now. We're a long way from that kind of uh, unity. It's
1: kind of a downer response <laughs> well, to the you know, picture of Paradise I just painted, but <laughs> <laughs> but I get it I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. I mean, it doesn't take long to to look at the news or to look at the world around us to see that unity we, we're not there. It's not like
0: or to look at the church as a whole. Yeah,
1: you know. yeah. so what should our response be then if we're seeing that we're not there, should you and I this morning come up with some like really simple clean cut rules for us to follow? Rules, yeah.
0: <laughs> we could do that, or <laughs> we could look at Scripture instead, because we saw at the outset what God intended all along was a, a, a unified family of of His people, and and we also know that that when when God first inaugurated the church, He poured out that Spirit. He poured out His Spirit, and. and and we were unified. The church was unified. But as we keep reading, we realize it didn't take long for that unity to be challenged. We just go a few chapters forward in the book of Acts, and all of a the sudden there's a conflict between the Hellenistic Jews and the Jewish people from Jerusalem. And so then all of a the sudden they had to start mediating and trying to figure out an intentional way of getting you know past these things that, that could have divided what God had united in that. And so the question is, how do, we, how do we retain this unity that God intended? We can look at the history of the church and realize we haven't done it well. Uh, but how can we go about this? When it's so difficult to maintain unity, how can we go about the process of unity? That's the question.
1: Yeah, I, get, I, I hear what you're saying, and I do think that Scripture does need to be the anchor Right. For why we do this. You know, there are so many parts of our culture right now that like unity is, is important there. Like and a I could, word. yeah, it's kind of a buzzword. And, and I could see somebody maybe seeing us have this conversation and think that we're talking about this to maybe try to be cool with that part of the culture. <laughs> we're never going to be cool. <laughs> we'll never be cool. So that's off the so table. So don't we worry. Don't even have to think about that. <laughs> we're not trying to be cool. We then know we'll we'll we've, that achieved. will never be us. <laughs> but I think that there's a distinction in that they're trying to accomplish this without God. You know, that that takes us, you know, there's an effort towards unity with the Christian culture and the Christian church that goes so much further back and is so much deeper than what the culture is representing here. And the the culture, it seems like it's trying to imitate God's intent, but almost often without God.
0: Exactly. And that's the thing. We don't want another Tower of Babel. We don't want, you know, to, to try to achieve paradise without God, which is exactly what that was all about. What we want to do is cooperate with God's ongoing process of, of new creation, of reuniting heaven and yeah. earth, which is what the gospel was all about.
1: Yeah, so this is about taking our holy place our holy place among the reunification of heaven and right earth on. and our fellow human being.
0: Right on. Amen. That's right. So uh, I said last week that unity is stamped all over the New Testament. We can't read the New Testament without finding these challenges presented to us as the church to draw together in, in a singular heart and mind in following Jesus. And I really believe that Galatians chapter 3 is sort of the cornerstone perspective that would provide us the proper motives for moving towards this practice of unifying as God's people. Uh, And and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Uh, If you've got a Bible with you or a Bible app, if you want to follow along, you'll want to find your way to Galatians chapter 3. If you're using an app, you're probably there already. If you're using an analog old school Bible, you go through, you know, the Gospels, you get to Acts, you get to Romans, first and second Corinthians, and then you're at Galatians. Galatians is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul, where he is addressing an interloping error that had come into the churches there in the province of Galatia in Asia Minor. Uh, The errors that had, had crept in had to do with retaining one's position with God by holding to the Old Testament law or the law of Moses, all the rules and the, the, the uh, codes of conduct there. So the effect of this error was multifaceted. It, it affected several different things uh, in, in that.
1: So you're saying that Paul is writing to a group of Christians... Right. Yes. And some are Jewish and some are Gentiles or not Jewish. Correct. And they have different ways of, think, of figuring out the best way to follow Jesus. And the Jewish people are saying the best way to do it is to keep all the laws of the Old Testament. And also believe in Jesus. Yes. Right? And, and okay.
0: The, and, the, and the culmination of that effect was requiring that Gentile people live as, as Jewish people. Okay. And, and so that made people feel uncertain about their salvation, certainly made them feel uncertain about their place with God, but it also had the effect of elevating the Jewish perspective and, and, and marginalizing or diminishing the other cultural perspectives that were there in this singular church. It created division based on bias among God's people. That's what prompted Paul to write.
1: So when we're reading this today, should we be judging the Jewish people who are doing this, or who should I be judging when I read this?
0: (laughs) Yes, very interesting. Uh, That's a good point, though, because we want to be very careful that when we say things like this, we are not trying to encourage any sort of anti-Semitic mindsets. This was happening in that particular context, but the issues didn't have to do with being Jewish. It had to do with being a human being who has a tendency to always gravitate towards their own cultural point of view and assume that it's superior to their, their neighbors. And so the same thing was happening in the book of Romans, but the issues were reversed. It was the Gentile people who were marginalizing the Jewish people. And Paul had to correct it there. Why? Because it was creating division. And Paul's emphasis over and over again has to do with unity.
1: So if I go into this judging people, I'm kind of like the people Paul was writing to to say, stop it. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Okay. So uh,
1: the goal then is to kind of go in with an open mind and consider what roles I might be playing. Yeah.
0: See, this is the, so she brings up such a great point because, oh, thank you. no, 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 but, but so, <laughs> I didn't mean to say no, no, no. I just mean, <laughs> shut up. But the, 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 the thing is, is we have such a tendency mm-hmm. to do that, to read the scriptures to figure out who to judge, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what the scriptures are there for. The scriptures are there as a mirror. We're Amen. called to, to put ourselves in the sandals of both the perpetrators of what was going on here that was erroneous, as well as the recipients of that error and try to discover how it is we can move our way through this according to God's values and his purposes without falling in, into those, those traps. Uh, so, uh, let's read if you're there in Galatians three, we'll, we'll go ahead and read, uh, verses one to three. Do you know you want to read that? Yep.
1: Okay. Oh, foolish Galatians who has cast an evil spell on you for the meaning of Jesus Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort?
0: Okay, so Paul is making a point here uh, about God's work of grace in contrast to keeping a set of static laws that have to do with uh, perception of holiness, making a very important point about how it is that we're going to be able to find unity. And that is, unity is a work of the Holy Spirit that each of us is called on to cooperate with. This is what the Holy Spirit's doing. We, as followers of Jesus, are called to cooperate. With this work, do you understand though the the the, the, the why this is an important distinction in, in this? Yeah, do you? No, I'm am talking to you. I'm talking oh. to, I'm asking
1: you. <laughs> Me? Um, okay, so yeah, so you're asking if I understand the distinction between trying to perfectly follow the laws in the Bible and particularly the Old Testament. Versus following the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. yeah cooperating. It's, yeah, it's that, but it's actually even, it goes even deeper than that because it's a distinction between human effort and the Holy Spirit empowering a new humanity to live differently from the patterns of this broken world. That's what this is about.
1: I guess, what, if, if I'm being honest, when I think about it, trusting the Holy Spirit sounds a lot scarier to mm-hmm. me to do. You know, the law and the the rules that we call, you know, some people say law, some people say rules, right? Sure. From the old Testament and the Bible, they feel like they're more within my control. They seem like something I can make more sense of. It's something also that if I'm like trying really hard to follow these laws, I can look pretty good to other people around me. At like, least
0: outwardly. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Holy Spirit can be kind of a wild card yeah the holy spirit does not seem to care about my reputation with other people and how good i look
0: as the whole ministry of jesus kind of yeah <laughs> points so out.
1: i understand though that the holy spirit would be like a medicine working inwardly like identifying disease we're
0: saying about that today
1: oh actually. yeah, yeah. The identifying disease and, and trying to, to to cure that disease and work on that so if i were to step back and look at this it would yeah i guess be the difference between an outward show and the heart following the holy spirit
0: yeah yeah, that's that's the great way to word this, and that's the, the the crux of this. This is this is a reminder that this is God's work in us, but this is His intentional work in us to transform us. Which reminds us then that none of us can just say, "Well, you know what? I don't like people over here because that's just the way I was raised. I mean, that's you know how I've been. I can't help how I feel. I just don't like that." We can't think like that because the whole point is the Holy Spirit's work is to to lift us up from the sin that we were conceived in and and to to challenge and to to heal us from those things, to transform us into what it is that we were originally created to be, the humanity that God intended us to be. That's the work uh, uh, of the Spirit. And so that's going to be all of these things, and it definitely includes any sort of bias or prejudice we would have against any other group of people.
1: But what about people who, like, vote differently than me? <laughs> like, if there's people that I'm like, how, as a Christian, could just, they
0: vote? Just jump on in there. Get into the hot <laughs> topics. Don't even... Yes. But this includes politically. This includes gender. This includes economic status. This most definitely includes race, as it, as it touches us in the body of, of Christ. Anything that we use as an artificial barrier and false bias for valuation of our fellow human being. That's what God is addressing in this. That's what God is seeking to undo. So within the body of Christ, it's absolutely crucial that we pursue unity among our fellow believers, those who claim Jesus Christ as our Savior. The church has been commissioned to reveal what it will look like on earth when heaven and earth are reunited. So within the body of Christ, this is our practice field for, for how we learn how to do this so that we are informed about how we carry ourselves in the larger world. And again, this doesn't mean that we're not going to have differing convictions. It's not uniformity. We'll have differing convictions or interpretations on how it is that we're going to live this out. But, but we hold those beliefs without, without valuation or demerit of those who may think differently or interpret differently.
1: Yeah. When you say that, you know, what I think about is, I guess an example of that would be when I encounter people who have different convictions about women in leadership in the church. You know, it's hard for me sometimes to, to have those interactions because it can feel dehumanizing when they, they think I shouldn't be up here or shouldn't speak on a Sunday morning or shouldn't be in leadership. And it's dehumanizing and it's something that I know is never going to go away as long as I work here and do this. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And one thing that you've encouraged me from the beginning and and really challenged me with from the beginning was to never judge people with those convictions or to get angry with them for those convictions. I mean, there's honestly, there was never space in the conversation to say, how dare they, or what's wrong with them. But before I could even really get a chance to say such sentiments, you would often jump in and say, it's really important that we, that we respect these other people's convictions, that right we on. don't judge them, that we allow for it. And we allow for those convictions the same way we would hope that they would allow for our own. That's right. And it was frustrating at first because <laughs> I wanted you to have this like righteous <laughs> anger with me. Um, but
0: mostly because I kept going <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's like, Not now. Um, no, but it, but it was really challenging. Um, I would say at first, but it's something that since living that out and trying to live that out I have found so much freedom and love right in that space and that that it it provides a way for me when somebody shares those convictions that I can be truly understanding and truly loving and there's a freedom in that and that I don't need to stop what I'm doing and try to convince them to think differently I don't need to stop what I'm doing and try to convince them to change and And that there's freedom in that I can love this person exactly as they are without either one of us having to change. That's right. That's right. And so I would say I've seen the fruit of that firsthand and that there's just no bitterness there. You know, when someone says that I can just genuinely be okay.
0: which becomes an evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we want to be intentional in cooperating, in allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into the kind of unity that God envisioned, intended from the outset for for humanity.
1: Yeah, and I do think that when we take those intentions to God, I I do believe he's faithful. Like, you know, he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Like, I do believe that when we bring those intentions to God, he will provide opportunities for us to show that unity. You know, that was something as a staff we prayed about opportunities and didn't really know where to start. And then all of a sudden Pastors United showed up, and it created this this awesome way for us to, To... on a regular basis, um, show that unity and create those relationships. But then even... um, uh, nuevo vino is a is a, is a church that they speak spanish and they use our building on sunday yeah. nights we've we've talked about it in passing before but that was an opportunity where they asked to do that and it was so exciting to be like yes you know we're all brothers and sisters in christ right and, and so just you know, and I don't think we're done yet. It's not like we did it and we figured out unity, but Job it's done. exciting to see how, how God it. provides those ways for us to, to continue with that.
0: Right on, right on. Well, let's keep reading uh, because Paul says some other things in this chapter that I think are really important for us to look at and, and consider when it comes to this. He's addressing this division that had developed uh, in, 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 about keeping the law but he makes a point about who it is that constitutes the children of God, which was a key issue here. If, if we're going to divide, the only reason we would divide is because we assume somebody else is not part of the family, right? And so he's, he's looking at what constitutes God's children, and it's so important for us to see. So if you're there in Galatians 3, jump down to verses uh, 6 to 9. You want to read that?
1: Yep. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith.
0: This is, I just, I'm sorry. I get stoked at that passage of scripture. This is the seminal point of the gospel. This is, he's pointing out here. He's bringing it back to that. The original promise made to Abraham. God made to Abraham. It's through you, Abraham. All the nations. Of the earth are going to be blessed. God fulfilled that through Jesus. Through Jesus, all the nations now come in, which means God's family is no longer limited to one ethnicity. All the nations, all the races, all people are now identified as God's children through Christ. Such an important thing to keep in mind.
1: You know, something that when I first read this, I think, okay, yes, I need to make sure I'm remembering to include other people. But it sounds like really what I should be thinking is... I am part of the people that were included. Like I, you know, the the Gentiles Paul is talking about making space for is us. And it's only through Christ that we have that connection. And so I do think when we remember that we are the people we're talking, he's talking about here, um, it can help us, I think, in prioritizing to include other people.
0: That's right. And I love that you're saying that because Paul says the exact same thing in Romans chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. I'll put it up on the screen, but look at this. He says, some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken. Off. And you Gentiles, that's most of us here, and you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been <coughs> grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing of, that God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree, speaking of Jesus there. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just the branch, not the root.
1: Wow. <laughs> so you're saying what I just said wasn't an original concept? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I guess the fact that Paul did it gives it a little more credibility,
0: but <laughs> yeah. Paul can. Ca- that can didn't start along with me. With you, okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But see, it reminds me of something that Mike Yaconelli wrote in his book Messy Spirituality. He says we are the uninvited who were graciously allowed into the party, and now we stand at the door, making sure no other uninviteds get in. We stand around trying to keep out what we consider to be the riffraff, when we ourselves didn't even belong yeah. there. It was God's grace that brought us in. So Galatians, and really the whole New Testament, is is telling us that God has always planned on having a multinational, multi-ethnic family of faith. This was always God's intent.
1: So unity is not going to go away from God's plan. And it's <laughs> no. not like since the culture started, parts of the culture liked it, God was like, oh, me too. No, <laughs> like this was there long before. No. And, it, and so based on what Paul's saying, it sounds like if we want to get in on the gospel and what the gospel is all about. We need to cooperate with this idea of unity, of unity and the belief the that unity is central to how we live out our right lives. On,
0: right on. So then that prompts me to think about Eastgate. I mean, you know, how can we be more representative of the gospel here at Eastgate? How can we better represent a multicultural uh, cooperative in Christ that the gospel is meant to, co- to proclaim? you know, the church in our country is highly segregated. And if you take the time to, to research our history, and I'm not talking about some sort of hidden research or secret things, it is wide open. It's laying on the surface right there. This is intentional. The segregated church that we have in our country is intentional. The black church and the white church, that is not by accident. That was an intentional move. Now, look, I can I I can imagine thoughts you know uh, uh, well, I I didn't do that and granted I realize nobody in this room did that none of us did that but we inherited that so what are we going to do with it we inherited it what will we do to see to it that it comes back in line with God's original intent
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's something There's that There's a mic I'll drop no I won't I won't do it I'm sorry it's something though that you're saying we can look back and easily see the ways that the generations before us were intentional about that. And it makes me think and wonder, what will the generations after Mm. us look at us and say we were intentional about? Like, what will they look back on our generation and say, yeah, you see that? That was no accident. They were intentional about that.
0: I'll just let that sink in for a minute because that's one of those. Yeah. And listen, I don't have the answers for this. I mean, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. I don't have answers. I really don't. It's the the complexities and hurdles in this are huge. And I've talked with other leaders from different expressions and different ethnicities, and we're all kind of faced with the same sense, like the chasm is huge. The hurdles are feeling insurmountable, and yet I don't think any hurdle is too high for God. I don't think any of this is impossible for the God who created us to begin with. And, and so if we're to be open to what it is that he's doing, I think he will lead us in the ways that, uh, that promote this kind of unity.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to what Paul was describing earlier in Galatians with trusting the Holy Spirit. Right and on. trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us. I think sometimes not knowing where to start can be such a discouraging thing, at least for me, like I don't know where to start, so just forget it. Yeah. And and remembering that we believe in a big God who is not scared. Right on. He's not saying, Oh yeah, I don't know where to start. He knows exactly where to start. He's <laughs> not rigging his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and we can trust him to guide us. We bring right our on. hearts that are open to him and saying, God, we desire this unity that that he desires desires. and we can trust for him to guide us on what the next step will look like
0: right on right on well there's one more thing that i want to look at Uh, paul reiterates his point uh, in galatians here but then he adds another level of emphasis uh, when we get to the bottom of this chapter so jump down to verses uh, uh verse 26 in galatians 3 i'll go ahead and read this for you are all children of god through faith in christ jesus just let that one sink in for just a moment. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Oh, there's so much in that. I wish I could take time to drill down onto that. Because putting on clothes, what did that do? That was the whole idea of, of covering up what made us vulnerable and naked and distinct from one another in all these different ways. And now uh, we're covered and clothed in Christ. Well, I guess I did bog down on it. Okay, verse 20. <laughs> there is no longer... Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And what Paul is doing here is countering this false doctrines attempt to to create a nationalistic or ethnic imperative on the gospel They were trying to get all the Gentiles to behave like Jewish people that, you know, in order to gain God's favor, uh, you know, one had to keep the law or pretend to be like an ethnic characteristic of, of Israel.
1: Yeah. So what you're saying then too, and I think this is obvious, but that this is not just limited to the people Paul is talking about. This is any nation or gender or anything or culture that is demanding for another person to conform to their perspective.
0: Right. Exactly. What Paul is saying is that there is no exceptional nation any longer. It all comes back full circle to the promise that was made to Abraham, all the nations would be blessed through him, all of them. And even goes beyond the issue of that was happening there in Galatia with the law and the Jewish Gentile divide. He's identifying the many ways in which humans will categorize or marginalize other humans, treating uh, those, uh, uh, those exceptions or those things as barriers. Paul is tearing those walls down as well. So he goes to Jew, Greek, slave, free, man, woman, and all of those distinctions as boundary markers now become irrelevant in Christ. And the implications of these words are stunning because what Paul is doing is undercutting the, 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 the foundation of the whole world. The whole world system is built on this sort of division. And both then and now, And Paul cuts through it all together with a completely different, by rejecting the categories of division in Christ, all forms of discrimination are thereby abolished in Jesus. Paul's describing a new world order, better worded. Paul is describing a world order restored to God's original intent. What, and what was God's purpose in, in the promise that was fulfilled in the gospel? That in Christ, all humans are equal in God's created order. That's why unity is important.
1: I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it really does sound great. And I love the image of it. And I love the picture of it. I think that if I'm going to be honest, I can understand the discomfort people might feel on the other side of this in that. What does my world look like when those social standings that benefit me are stripped away? Mm. You know, when I picture those social standings stripped away and those things that might help me to feel elevated, when those things gone, I'm left feeling pretty vulnerable. Mm. And, And I guess I'm left questioning, without those things, am I really enough and okay as is, without those things? And I know that since the fall, we've been determining our place compared to our fellow human being you know it's been a constant who's better and which group is better and you know which group is best and who's who's better and which one do i belong in and but i also know that if i remember who i am there it is if i remember the value god has placed on me that jesus showed i can find that i don't have to change those things don't need to i don't need those social things to determine my value and if i can remember who i am and the value god has placed on me i can remember the value that my fellow human being has despite whatever the society or culture says yeah, and I and I do love that idea of just being okay as is, without needing those things, and the people around me not needing those things. For us to, you know, the, our place in society is constantly swaying and shifting, and, and I love the idea of of being anchored to who I am through Christ. That right while on. everything else might be moving, I can stand firm and knowing my value and knowing the value of the people around me. Right
0: on. Christ will never cancel you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he offers this permanent and personal love that yes. is never ending.
0: That's right. That's right. And that is the the beautiful thing. That's the core uh, of everything that the gospel communicates to us that we are loved, that we are valuable and that we belong. We belong in Christ. And not just belonging, you know, to you and I or, you know, here or whatever, but we belong to God and thereby belong to one another in him, in in Christ. And that's what makes the gospel so world-changing. It's not been attempts at at forcing moralism or demanding conformity to our beliefs. What makes this a world-changing faith is our belief that God is love and that he never gives up on this human race and continues to stretch his hands out to offer that love, that redemption, that new world that he has waiting in the wings. That's what changes everything. I love it. Right on? <laughs> I agree. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: <laughs> well, so, <laughs> so as we leave here today, I do think, I just keep thinking back to what is it that we want the next generation to know that we were intentional about? Yeah. You know, what do we want to be known for?
0: Right on, right on. I know for myself that I want to move into the glorious world that the gospel creates. I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sick of war. I'm pretty sick of starvation and children dying for no reason. I'm sick of the injustice that we see on every corner. I want more. I, I want that new world that's on the horizon and a unified family of faith is at the heart at the center of that new world when we get to the end of the book we get to the end at revelation that's what we see the nations bleed together into one one city of god that's what i want that's what i want to be intentional about that's what i'm longing for that's awesome why not Right on. Right
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so just a reminder today there is a unity service at, at Sheffield Park in Lynn Haven. Uh, we have the information on our Facebook page, and we'll get it on our website as well. Um, it's at four p.m. It's outside, so you'll need to bring a chair and sunscreen if it's sunny. But the other maybe an
0: umbrella, maybe because it's summertime. Oh, I thought it's like we wanted to be fancy. Oh, well, you
1: can do that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's also something too that you know the teaching we did today and the teaching you did last week. This is something churches. all all the churches that are involved in pastors united many of them are are doing these these teachings as well it was really
0: fun i was able to go back last week and listen to what city church preached and living waters and all the various different churches that were there it was was, the same scripture yeah yeah same passage and everything so so. all right well uh i guess that's it yeah thanks for joining me here today janelle and uh (laughs) if you will if you're able to will you stand with us please Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the way in which you lead us and you guide us. And Father, we thank you for this gospel, because in this gospel there is this glorious hope that leads us into a world where heaven and earth are reunited, and we are all joined together as your family. So help us, Father, uh, in all the various ways in which we need you, Holy Spirit, to reshape us and reshape our thinking and reshape the way we view one another. Help us, Lord, to view each other, to view all people through the eyes of your grace. I pray that for us. I pray for the unity service today that we have. We ask your blessing on this as we seek to fulfill what it is you've called us to do. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you. In
0: speak this blessing on each other before we leave here today. If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come on up here to the front. There'll be people here to pray with you and see what God will do. Uh, Please, if you can, try to come out to the unity service tonight. Uh, I really believe it's going to be cool. So let's uh, speak this together. May Christ be a light to illumine and guide you. Christ be a shield to overshadow you. Christ be under you. Christ be over you. Christ beside you on your left and on your right both in this world and the one to come. Go in peace, you children of God.